This show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. Hey, John. I feel like you're the kind of fellow that would give us that intro lick. Explanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I looked some stuff up on Wikipedia, watched some YouTube about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondel. David, hey, buddy. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. And you? Pretty good. I'm also good, too. It's Friday night. Still. All right. What are we going to learn feeling about? Right? What am I learning about? We're going to do the Myers Briggs and the Barnum effect. We're going right. to first I know talk the about. Myers Briggs test. The Barnum effect. That rings a bell, but I don't think I can yeah, can't it's, place it, it off the top of my head. It'll be at the end. We'll get to it. All right. Let's go. Um, Myers-Briggs test. Yeah. What an upstanding, scientifically designed, <laughs> factual test. I got a little intro. The Myers-Briggs type indicator is probably the most common personality test there is. Over 2 million people take the questionnaire annually. And not to put the cart before the horse, we're going to talk a lot of shit on the test. So if you're going to get soup mad and leave us a bad review, just check out a different, less contentious episode or just duck out now. Like we, or, I mean, we don't need I don't, bad reviews. But yeah, if you're willing to change your mind. Yeah. Just or listen. I mean, or leave us a bad review because you didn't like this episode. Yeah. All right. But let's get into it. But at least listen to it then. Yeah. If you are going to do that. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the history and description of the Myers-Briggs personality test. Can we call it the MB? Type indicator. I feel like MBTI is what MBTI? is the acronym. Okay. Myers-Briggs type indicator. Okay. Um, then we're going to talk about criticisms, and then we're going to talk about the Barnum effect. Okay. So history and description. The original version of the MBTI was constructed by Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel M- Briggs Myers. Okay. So it's a daughter Mother-daughter team. team. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's based on the conceptual theory proposed by Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, who thought that people experienced the world using four principal psychological functions, those being sensation, intuition, feeling, and thinking. And that one of those, he thought that one of those four functions is dominant for a person most of the time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, Jung's theories of psychological types wasn't based on controlled scientific studies, but it was actually based on clinical observation, introspection, and anecdote. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he was no different than Freud. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't any different. He was just in a different school of thought exactly. when it came to psychology. And yeah. these people are the reason Dexter doesn't take psychology seriously at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Because most of the foundations of psychology for the past century are utter bullshit. Bullshit. Like, none of those things are regarded as, like, or rather, sorry, all those things are regarded as inconclusive to the modern field of psychology. Yeah, no, no, no modern psychologist takes any of those ideas seriously. Yeah, so introspection. Why? Yeah, like, just like I thought about it. I thought about it, and that's how people work. Yep, as though you can deduce something. Yeah, it's so fucking contrived. And, and then uh, neither or ca- conceited. That's the word I meant. Yeah, 
Well, and contrived. It is, yeah. It's also contrived. Um, but neither Catherine Briggs or her daughter, Isabel Myers, were actually educated in psychology. Well, and, of course not. Yeah, and both were taught in the, were self-taught in the field of psychometric testing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sounds obvious, but <laughs> they made us something that sounds scientific. Yeah, which is where we get the term pseudoscience from. Yeah. Nonsense parading as science. Yep. And so Catherine, she's working on her research on personality from 1917 until 1923 because she noticed her son-in-law had much different personality types than members of her family. Oh, my God. Yeah. But then the English translation of Young's book, Personality Types, was published in 23. And it was actually first published in Swiss in 21. Okay. Um, Wikipedia says... She recognized that Young's theory was similar to, but went far beyond her own. Basically just jived with her already existing ideology. Yeah. So with the help of her daughter, Isabel, she went on to develop her ideas. And eventually, Isabel would take over the work almost entirely. Hmm. And Isabel was actually kind of studious. She graduated first in her class from Swarthmore College in 1919 and wrote a mystery novel, Murder Yet to Come, using typological ideas in 1929, oh, which won the National Detective Murder Mystery Contest that year. So Isabel was a novel writer. This stuff sounds so adjacent to, like, phrenology yeah. to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, just It like, just seems like somebody who believes in these, ty- like, personality types, especially back then, would be, like, very so into susceptible to the idea of phrenology and, like, and the idea that, like, you can deduce who's a criminal by yeah, just their like, look and their yeah, the shape of their skull and exactly. all sorts of eugenics type ideas. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, and we're gonna get into that, but I kind of think that like simplistically categorizing people is not far away from ideas like eugenics. I don't or, think it is either. Yeah, it's crazy how hard, difficult it is to get rid of the specter in our modern life, the specter of eugenics and yeah. what a massive impact it had on our society mm. and the way we think to this day. Yeah. Um, so here's a quote from Wikipedia. Briggs and Myers began creating the indicator during World War II in the belief that a knowledge of personality preferences would help women entering the industrial workforce for the first time to identify the sort of wartime jobs that would be the, quote, most comfortable and effective for them. Jeez. <laughs> and then they still use it, like, in workplaces. Oh, sure. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of jobs require you take it. Mm-hmm. And uh, where Young used the four principles, sensation, intuition, feeling, and thinking, Briggs and Myers developed the bifurcated categories of introversion or extroversion, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, and judging or perception. And it's so funny that like the introversion and extroversion is still used so much on the internet today yeah. by basically self-pitying shut-ins for yeah. the most part is what what I can tell is exactly. basically people who are like I'm introverted. It's all you social people that are making me stay in <laughs> because when you talk to me it sucks my energy away. That's yeah. the definition of being an introvert is you take from me when you talk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, based on those four categories, each person is said to have one preferred quality from each category, which produces 16 unique types. And then the 16 types are referred to by an abbreviation of the four letters. 
which are the initial letters used of the four type preferences, except in the case of intuition, which uses the abbreviation N to distinguish it from introversion. Okay. So, like, for instance, ESTJ means extroversion, sensing, thinking, judgment. And INFP means introversion, intuition, feeling, and perception. And okay. these abbreviations are applied to all 16 types. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're about to get into criticism. Okay. So okay. let me just go on and So wait, wait, wait. This. How many types does that give us? There are 16 altogether. Okay, okay. You said that. Yep. There yep. are 16 possible types. Yeah. And even though, even though Myers-Briggs was based on Young's theories... Even Young thought his work in psychometric testing was inconclusive, writing, Although there are doubtless individuals whose type can be recognized at first glance, this is by no means always the case. As a rule, only careful observation and weighing of evidence permit a structure of classification. However simple and clear the fundamental principle of the two opposing attitudes may be, in actual reality, they are complicated and hard to make out. Because every individual is an exception to the rule. Then why the hell did you come up with the fucking rule? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. He's like, it only breaks down every time you apply it. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Yeah. And then they went on and were like, oh, let's, let's pretend he didn't ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. They're like, no, actually, it was a good idea. And you're wrong yeah. about it not being and a good idea. You ha- you're a genius, sir, but you are acting like an idiot. <laughs> so let's get on to criticisms. Yeah. Uh, right after I clear my throat and I'm real stuffy today. Yeah, he's got the snuffles. Mm. Regular snuffleupagus. Regular? That's that's what they call me. Stone Cold Steve Snuffleupagus Dexter Sorensen. Yeah. Often just key, shortened to Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Vox's Joseph Stromberg writes that while it might be a fun way to pass the time, it has about as much insight and validity as a BuzzFeed quiz. And Adam Grant, Ph.D., in a 2013 article for Psychology Today, writes that when it comes to accuracy, if you put a horoscope on one end and a heart monitor on the other, the MBTI falls about halfway in between. That's kind of generous, but okay. I think it's generous as fuck. I would say it falls like a quarter of the way Yeah. And in the, rest from of the, the, in the uh, rest of the article, he just hammers on it <laughs> like real bad. Um, so the thing is, people are inherently, like, different, but they do like to categorize things, especially themselves and other people. Sure. Oh, yeah, people love putting things in boxes. People love... Everything from... Yeah, yeah, and they put, make all these rules about them that break down anytime you look at individual cases. Like, they're like, uh... Yeah, this is a species, and species can't breed with other species. They can't produce offspring that way. Except for the liger, (laughs) oh, of course, and the tigon, and the mule... Yeah, and the, what's the what's the opposite of the mule? Oh, what's that called? No, I don't know. They're either. not as useful as mules, and they usually die. Fuck, in. we've talked about this before. Um, Damn it. Anyhow, yeah. So the thing is that the MBTI relies on placing people into binaries. So in each case, you're either introverted or extroverted. You rely either on sensing or intuition. 
you rely on thinking or feeling or you rely on judging perception in each category. Okay. But that's not how people work at all. Like, obviously. Really, people's personality traits, like most things, work on a bell curve. So instead of being either introverted or extroverted, people are much more likely to be ambiverted. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes they're extroverted and sometimes they're introverted. And so if you're going to be... It's a scale. Yeah. So if you're going to be dividing people into categories, those categories should actually be meaningful. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And social sciences has four standards for meaningfulness. Reliability, validity, independence, and comprehensiveness. Okay. And in each case, the MBTI fails. (laughs) Not surprising. (laughs) Yeah. So in order for a test to be reliable, it has to give the same results over time when different sources apply the same test. Sure, of course. Yeah. Needs, yeah, to be rep, uh, uh, reproducible. Reproducible, thank you. Mm-hmm. But if you retake the test after only a five-week gap, there is about a 50% chance that you'll get a different result. Of course, yeah. Yeah, you're just feeling different. Yeah. Answer the questions different. It only has 93 questions. Oh, jeez. Um, That's... So it's so simplistic, and people are so complicated. Um, as far as validity goes, in order t- for a test to be valid, it has to predict outcomes that matter. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of, like... Typing or testing <clears throat> or... Yeah, or like a, a scientific experiment. You have to start by making a prediction. Mm, a hypothesis. Yeah, exactly. You make a prediction about... Uh, how the world works and then you conduct an experiment to see if it's true if it's not you throw out your prediction and start with a new one Mm -hmm. and in 1991 a national academy of sciences committee reviewed data from mbti research studies the study based its measurement of validity on quote criterion related validity like does the mbti predict specific outcomes related to interpersonal relations or career success slash job performance. And the 1991 review committee concluded at the time that there was, quote, not sufficient well-designed research to justify the use of MBTI in career counseling programs. Yeah. But that fucking happens all the time. <laughs> Seriously. Of course it does, yeah. Yep. yeah. It's still used all the time. I mean, just like lie detectors. Yeah. There's no science be- behind a polygraph. No, there's not. No science whatsoever. Like, Stromberg from Vox reported that 89 of the Fortune 100 used the test to separate employees and potential hires into types and assign them appropriate training programs and responsibilities. Oh, my goodness. But <laughs> That's it's, so stupid. It's fucking stupid. And if the test doesn't mean shit, people are getting assigned jobs meaninglessly. Oh, yeah. Essentially, at random. At random. At random, yeah. they're being excluded from certain career paths. And if that's not bullshit, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. People are literally being excluded from one career path or another because of uh, Their answers to 93... Their answer to 93 stupid fucking questions that that have no validity. And even the CIA and State Department use Myers-Briggs assessments to assign people jobs. All right, so now we're keeping with the times. Now we're getting why why I'm mad about this shit. (laughs) (laughs) And independence certainly can be claimed by the MBTI. The special conferences of the Center for Application of Psychological Type 
has produced between a half and a third of all the published material on the MBTI. Doesn't sound bad yet. But they provide the training in MBTI and are funded by the sales of MBTI. Yeah. And so they make about $20 million a year charging people oh 15 to 40 bucks to take the MBTI. And the certifying test for administrators of the test okay, so costs $1,700. Oh, my goodness. Now we get to why it's still around. Yeah. It's a profitable it's a f- business profitable model. Profitable business model. It's really hard to get rid of really stupid fucking ideas when they, when make, they make someone money. money. Yeah. And so people are willing to pay that 1700 bucks to become test administrators because then they can work for those thousands of major corporations and part 89 of the Fortune 100 companies like GM and others that use the test to assign responsibilities. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's like job security so yeah go go and you know make get yourself a tester's license or certificate or whatever the hell it is and now all of these companies need your yeah need your assistance in taking this administering this bullshit fucking nothing and because of everything else we talked about earlier there's no way that the mbti could be called comprehensive oh certainly not <laughs> and then another criticism Another huge criticism of the MBTI is that it relies on the Barnum effect. Okay. Brings us to part two the Barnum effect. So, the Barnum effect, also called the Foyer effect, is where people give a high rating to a positive description that supposedly applies specifically to them. Oh, a high rating of accuracy? Yep. Okay. Wikipedia says the Barnum effect is a common psychological phenomenon where individuals give high accuracy ratings to descriptions of their personalities that supposedly are tailored specifically to them, that are in fact vague and general enough to apply to a wide range of people. Yeah. You know what? Thinking about this, the Barnum effect, I'm going to go back and change my opinion. The Myers-Briggs has nothing on the horoscope. No, I put them at basically the The exact exact same level. level of anything like yeah. validity accuracy uh scientificness wh- however you want to yeah. measure it it's they're the basically same the fucking same level. fucking thing so the barnum effect applies to the myers-briggs because no matter which of the 16 types you get it's always positive and people tend to agree about positive assertions about who they are i see like think I about see. it if you're introverted or extroverted if you're sensing or intuitive if you're thinking or feeling you're judging or perceptive perceptive oh, right. all of those have like which are those are you going to be pissed off about yeah right all of those kind of have positive feelings and thoughts attributed yeah. to them you're like yeah you know yeah. what i am perceptive the other day <laughs> i noticed that yeah so and so yeah the myers-briggs certainly won't tell you if you're bitter trite depressive or petty right or a pedantic <laughs> little prick <laughs> <laughs> like both of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not going to tell us that it's going to tell me i'm yeah. thinky Exactly. <laughs> and you'd be like, yeah, I am. yeah, I am. I take everything back I be- bad I said about you. Thanks, Myers-Briggs. Yeah. You identified my type. <laughs> so basically... I have purpose. <laughs> basically, people accept that general characterizations about them are unique and true, even though they could apply to almost everyone. Sure. Because they're thinking of specifically how it applies to them. And mm-hmm. it's part of, partly, I think, the availability bias. Like, 
You're not yeah, encouraged to think about all of the ways in which it doesn't fit you. You're encouraged by the description to think of the ways in which it fits it you. Fit and so you. you form a bias in your head. You mm-hmm. misremember your own story and your own history and things about you to fit this generalized description. Yeah. Wikipedia says such techniques are used by fortune tellers, astrologers, and other practitioners to convince paying customers that they, the practitioners, are, the charlatan, are, yep, charlatans, hucksters, are endowed with a paranormal gift. The effect is a specific event example of the so-called acceptance phenomenon, which okay. you were talking about earlier which describes the general tendency of humans to accept almost any bogus personality feedback. Oh, yeah. And uh, so the earliest research into the Barnum effect happened in 1947. A psychologist named Ross Stagner asked some personnel managers to take a personality test. After they took the test, instead of responding with feedback based on their actual individual answers, he gave each of them generalized answers based on horoscopes and graphological analysis and other bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know what graphology was. I don't know what that is either. Um, Wikipedia says, graphology is the analysis of the physical characteristics and patterns of handwriting, claiming to be (laughs) able to identify the writer, indicating the psychological state at the time of writing, or evaluating personality characteristics. I see. Okay. Obviously, that's not scientific. No, no, of course not. Um, anyway, he gave them their results and asked each of them how accurate their assessment was. And more than half described their assessment as accurate, and almost none described it as wrong. I mean, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That's just... Yep. I think... I don't know what... Wow. I don't know how to describe that phenomenon, like why that is the case that people behave that way and aren't more stubborn well, it's because about it. But it's I think it's just be- a lot of people just don't have like like a built in idea of skepticism for everything. Sure. It sure. Seems. And people who are who believe in paranormal and people who are less skeptic, regardless of the culture they're in, are less likely to fall prey to the Barnum effect. Wait, sorry. People who are less skeptical. Sorry, more skeptical. Okay. People okay. who are less, who believe less in paranormal. I see. And are less susceptible. Re- less religious, more skeptical, are less susceptible. I see. To the Barnum effect. I see. That kind of reminds me of hypnotism. Yeah. Um, like the the only factor in whether you're likely to be successfully hypnotized is whether you believe that you, you are likely be. to be. Su- yeah. yeah. Um. So. Then there is another classical experiment. Um, psychologist Bertram R. Forer gave psych- a psychology test to 39 of his students. And that's why it's also called the Forer effect, okay. as well as the Barnum effect. I see. Like, people haven't really committed to which one they want to call it. Okay. Um, his 39 students were told that each would receive a brief personality vignette or sketch based on their test results. And a week later... <laughs> Weech. <laughs> one single week later. One single week later, he gave each of them an individualized sketch and asked each of them to rate how well it applied. And in reality, each of the students received the same sketch consisting of the following 13 items. <laughs> one, you have a great need for other people to like and admire you. Two, you have a tendency to be critical of yourself. Three, you have a great deal of unused capacity which you have not turned to your advantage. Four, 
While you have some personality weaknesses, you are generally able to compensate for them. Five, your sexual adjustment has presented problems for you. Six, disciplined and self-controlled outside, you tend to be worrisome and insecure inside. Seven, at times you have serious doubts as to whether you have made the right decision or done the right thing. Eight, you prefer a certain amount of change and variety and become dissatisfied when hemmed in by restrictions and limitations. Nine. Sorry we're going through all these. No, no, no. Keep going. Nine. You pride yourself as an independent thinker and do not accept others' statements without satisfactory proof. (laughs) Ten. You have found it unwise to be too frank in revealing yourself to others. Eleven. At times you were extroverted, affable, sociable, while at other times you were introverted, wary, and reserved. Twelve. Some of your aspirations tend to be pretty unrealistic. 13. Security is one of your major goals in life. So everybody got the same thing. Right, of course. And, you know, and basically that describes humans. Everyone. Everyone who's not um, a psychopath. Yeah. Essentially. (laughs) Um, You might feel like some of those apply more to you than others, but I'm sure if you think about it. Yeah. I I think if you think about it, every one of those in some level applies to everyone. So on and they, they, it's so funny the way he did it. Like a lot of them were positive, and then some of them were like more like, um, "You feel uncomfortable about sex in some way." You know, it's basically <laughs> just like preying upon the, yeah. the inherent insecurity that humans have. Yep, especially in our society. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, on average, the students rated its accuracy as a four point three on a scale of zero to very poor to five for excellent. Holy cow! Yeah. Only after the ratings were turned in was it revealed that each student had received an identical sketch assembled by Forer from a newsstand astrology book. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) They believed it because the statements are vague and general enough to apply to most people, like we were talking about. Sure. Yeah. And they didn't really think about that part of it. You know what I mean? No, like you, you, you read those things and you don't think, especially when it's, proposed as a vignette described describing you yeah you don't think oh this could just work for anybody yeah that's really vague yeah they should you be more specific how vague it is why though. didn't yeah why didn't they talk more specifically about that thing um not very accurate so how do other people or not very precise rather mm. so here's the question how do other people exploit the barnum effect in 1977 ray hyman <laughs> I mm. hope I got his name right. H-Y-M-A-N. Well, if you did, it's unfortunate. <laughs> no relation. Wrote about how palm readers and other hucksters exploit the Foyer effect to take advantage of their victims or marks. Okay. He provided a list of factors that help these tricksters to dupe their prey. For example, hucksters are more likely to be successful if they exude an air of confidence. And now this is where we're getting into the list. He says... If you look and act as if you believe you know what you're doing, you will be able to sell even a bad reading to most of your subjects. Then if they use some of the latest polls and surveys about what people care about, worry about, and so on. Oh, sure. Yeah, you just need a little bit of background information. Mm-hmm. Also, if they employ a gimmick, such as a crystal ball, tarot cards, or palm reading. Then they're more successful if they are alert to clues provided by their clients such as details as their clothing, jewelry, mannerisms, and speech. Oh, sure. I believe a lot of the most successful 
people in in these endeavors are highly perceptive individuals. Yeah, yeah. They're intelligent, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then they're also successful if they aren't afraid of quote hamming it up. Oh yeah. And then finally, yeah, I, I feel like if you have a strong sense of shame or awkwardness, you won't. you don't want to do yeah. that. You don't like, want to be I would a snake be, oil salesman. I bet I would be better at it than you. I would be so fucking bad at it. Yeah, I know you would. I yeah, I I couldn't. I have way less shame than you. Yeah, I have a very very strong sense of like shame. for that. I mean, like type of thing. Oh yeah, I have shame in all areas of life though. It's like yeah. one of my main emotions that I feel all the time is just shame. Yeah, I'm sorry to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I laugh at it too. I mean, what else are you going to do about it? Yeah. And then finally, um hucksters are more successful if they use flattery. Oh, sure. 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 Yeah. Everybody likes hearing nice stuff about them. Of course. And uh, of course they're right if they say nice things about me. Because right, that's exactly, and that, and that makes them more agreeable because clearly they're perceptive to who I really am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically this whole episode is about being skeptical. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah. Like, even if it sounds good and fine, it's not worthwhile trying to find a deeper meaning in bullshit platitudes. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's... It could be fun. And there's no. It could be fun. There's, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with it's having entertaining. fun. Like, yeah, there's nothing. Wrong I considered with... going on and doing it, but I didn't want to pay the money, or, and I didn't want to really spend the time to do it. Right. But like, also, I don't really want to ever tell anybody because, like, yeah, you'd even be embarrassed. My, no, even if I did get a result, I wouldn't want to tell anybody because that kind of validates the test. Oh, I see. By telling them what you know, I don't wouldn't want to do that. Um. But yeah, like like you were talking about, like how like my whole disagreeableness towards psychology as a whole, like I always thought that stuff like the Myers Briggs was commonly accepted by psychologists, and that psychologists don't really use scientific rigor because of shit like the MBTI. Sure, sure, and how it's still commonplace. Yeah, like I mean, I was given the MBTI in Psych 101 in college. Oh my! What the hell? Yeah. I, in Psych 101, I was learning about how stuff like that was bull. Yeah. Like, we took very different Psych 101s. <laughs> Hi, Utah. <laughs> LCC. And then one of the top 10 greatest community colleges in America. <laughs> and I know it's a slippery slope, but I think Myers-Briggs and its simple classifications of people is just a step away from using those categorizations to develop ways to categorize and influence people, which is just a way, like a st another step away from shit like pickup artistry or racism yeah. or eugenics, eugenics, and, yeah, all the rest of it. Phrenology. It's like, it's, it's not very far away. It's in not my opinion. very far away. If you're willing to swallow that, then what other non-scientific bull crap like if you're are you willing, willing to, to swallow be like, about humans and, and how they can be judged and categorized yeah. and boxed up? If you're willing to honestly be like, there are only 16 types of people. Like, oof. Yeah. That is a really, really simplistic way to look at people. Yeah, and if you and honestly believe that, why aren't you more organized and say, all right, I'm going to figure out which... Which types I get along with and which types I don't, and then I'm gonna and find which, out which ev what everyone is, and, and I'll decide who I'm friendly with or who I'm not friendly with, who I hire, who I don't good. hire, who I'll date, who I won't date, who is good and who who's, is bad, who's good and who's bad, yeah, who's trustworthy and who's not, 
yeah. based on one of those numbers. 93 questions. Yep. I and mean, because so like, if you really think about it more than just like a sentence deep, the implications of believing in this are just kind of gross. Yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, but anyway, like, things like researching this episode and a few of the other episodes we've done on psychology has actually given me more hope and trust in the rigor of modern psychology. Yeah, I think modern psychologists... Because um, modern psychologists hard don't to believe in the MBTI. Themselves. Yes. And, or Jung, or... Or, uh... Uh, shit, you said him earlier. Freud. Freud. Yeah. Like... Pavlov. <laughs> fucking dogs. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, that's basically the Myers-Briggs and the Barnum effect as far as the content I have for it. Do you got anything else you want to talk about? No. I would like to point out for, for anyone who... And I'm not trying to, like, make fun or anything like that. I'm just trying to, like... I just got to say my piece. So there's this, yeah. uh, there's, you know, we, we a million dollar it. prize up. James Randi's. Yes. For yeah. anyone talked about who can, have we talked, we have talked about this, episode. haven't we? Not a very recent episode. It was a, it yeah. was a while ago. Mm-hmm. There's a prize up. And for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, I'm not sure which one it is. There's a prize up. You can't up, million dollars. to listen to our whole library <laughs> at this point. Uh, for anyone who can demonstrate any paranormal ability. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's telekinesis, tons mind of reading, have tried for it. telepathy, tons of people have tried. They've all been found out is because you have to do it under scientifically rigorous circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, done by James Randi, the magician. Like he's the modern, like he's the modern Houdini. Because Houdini used to go in and go to like palm readers and people like that and, and demonstrate how they were demonstrate lying. how they were wrong. Yeah, but James Randi does it. In a, in a televised setting. Like, he doesn't just do it for individuals. He does it for the society, which I think is cool. Jonathan is um, talking about breathing on a book, and that was my example last time. Like, there was this guy who said he could wave his hand over a book and move the pages, and James Randi's like, oh, this one's easy, and he just put down some flour in front of the book. Oh. And then the guy decided to, and then when the guy blew on the pages while he was moving his hand over, the flower moved, and so fucking didn't don't get no million dollars. No, yeah, <laughs> that's funny that he got, thought he was that stupid that he could trick him that easily. Yeah, exactly. He's but a world class magician. He knows the <laughs> fucking tricks, dude. Yeah, he can look at what you're doing and break it down. Yeah, that's what he had to do for a career. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's what that's what I got. Yeah, right on. Yeah, Fuck I that thought shit. it was fun. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to like be down on anyone who has like believed it or anything like that. But uh, or like bought way into Just it. Understand been, like, it's cool. not scientific. Yeah, and and I understand how it's easy it is to buy fun. into things like that. But I hope after listening to this episode, if you were for it, maybe now you're against it, or leave yeah. us a negative review and tell us why you think we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I would love to have just, a discussion about it. Yeah. Like a polite one. I won't curse as much. 
Yeah. We won't we won't actually reach out and call you a fucking. Yeah, no, I would never curse at a fan like that. I just curse because it's. Well, sometimes sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's nice to fill up the dead air with curses. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I just like to say fuck a lot. Yeah, it's just such a fun word. And on these episodes when we're just like really ripping into something, it makes you feel so (laughs) fucking righteous. You're like, I'm doing the Lord's work. Fuck. Yeah. Fucking Lord. He got my back. My fucking back. <laughs> All right. That is it for this episode. Dexplanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided those sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. Art and logo by Monet Moran. Social media management by Alicia Fentress. And my trusted co host is David Gerondo. Blessed by the fucking Lord. <laughs> I want to thank all our patrons on Patreon. Your support means everything to me, to us, and the show itself. If you, too, want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. Leave a review on iTunes or tell a friend to listen to your favorite episode. All these things really help a lot, as we're, we're really trying to get more exposure for the show, and we really appreciate for you doing those things. Likely, as always, we got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or just want to bullshit, hit me up at DexplanationsPodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. Oh, and as for you, you are an absolutely unique individual, and you could never accurately be summarized with a four-letter acronym. Bye now. (laughs) 